Hello and welcome to this special episode, episode 12 of the Velodrome podcast. So we thank you once again for listening. I'm Steve, the Velo21 guy, your host again for this Velodrome podcast. So why is it another special? It's the final of our Everesting special. So once again, we're talking to Aidan King, aka the Cycling Chef, about the challenge that he's undertaken over the weekend, um, which was an absolutely epic challenge. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Aidan's other episode, it's episode 9. If you go back and listen to that first, and then come back and listen to this one, it's a good one. So once again, we're speaking to the the lovely Aidan, a.k.a. the Cycling Chef. Obviously, the last time we had you on, you you came to my house and we talked about the Everest Challenge, and we're recording this on on the 5th of june which is the day after the everest challenge so how did it go yeah it was it was good um i would like to have better news to say that we got a new world record but we we didn't um <laughs> we, uh. we we were close but um i i think just a mul- multiple different factors kind of played into the fact that we, we didn't like the fact that we started with only 77 from no shows and people pull, yeah. pulling out at last minute when you know we were meant to have 100 so we're already 33 riders down on yeah, where we wanted yeah. to be but um the, the i mean the day itself it was a lot of hill reps <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's not an enjoyable day is it i imagine so it's like yeah how, how was your day it was pretty terrible but i did this <laughs> yeah. kind of thing yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, like it, it, it wasn't bad. It was a chilly start to the day, and it was really foggy because um, we started at four in the morning. So, yeah, um, I, I, yeah, it was as enjoyable as it could have been until it started to hurt. Mm. To be honest, like the the, the start was nice because you know talking to people, new people, um, like for me a new hill. Like the the views when the sun was coming up was nice, and then it was kind of mm. into into game time and just counting down the reps when they put up they had like a big screen with when you went through the transponder it said like how many laps you got left to do i okay. don't know if, i don't know yeah. if that helped or made it worse because going okay. under the finish line and seeing like 62 reps to go <laughs> was like was, yeah but. i can imagine yeah because it's it's that thing isn't it it's like that count because i've talked about this on previous podcasts but maybe even with yourself um that there's almost like a counting down thing that I don't mind counting up to a certain amount, but then I like to count down. So it's when it's always that big number to start with, and then it's coming slowly coming down. Um, yeah, I bet that can be a bit demoralising sometimes when you've gone up and you see that. Yeah, again. It, like I was, I was pressing the lap button on my head unit. Um, I would have quite liked to get to like halfway counting up, like get to like thirty-four, yeah. thirty-five, and then start the countdown. But, I, yeah. I mean, it, it was one of those, uh, I was trying not to look at it. But, I mean, it, it was literally there right in front of the turning point. So, yeah. it was it was hard to miss. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those mental things. It's, it's one of those. But Yeah. Either way, no matter how many you've got left to do, you still got to go up and down. So. Yeah. So, officially, how many people finished? Uh, so, 44 finished. So, we, we were... 10 off the record 11 off of a new yeah. record which 
I mean, it's, it's, it's as close as you could get, pretty much, with what we had starting. Um, yeah. We were, you know, even if we had 100 start, we were never expecting 100 to finish. Um, yes. You know, so the fact that we started with, seven, I think it was 77 confirmed started. But mm-hmm. by the halfway point, I think we were already like six or seven riders light. And, mm. and that was just by the half point, halfway point. So, um, yeah, like I, I remember we were, we were coming up and I was on, I don't know, say 4,000 metres and there were people riding mm. down with like rucksacks on and they were like taking their numbers off and it's like, I, I, like, I'm not even halfway yet in like yeah um, and I, I, I don't know if it's because I've done one before I, I kind of I knew my numbers that I wanted to stick to and um, yeah. I, I stuck to those from the start and I, I was coming past people and in my head I'm like oh have I gone out too hard here but I'll, I'll, sit, I'll yeah. stick to my numbers and um, so I, I knew I was like a couple of reps ahead of most of the, the the other lot but um to see yeah. people pulling out at that point it was kind of like i i kind of didn't think about the record anymore i was like i'm going to do my everything because that that's all i can do i can do my bit make sure i finish yeah and you yeah. know if 70 people finish 70 people finish if they don't there's there's not really anything i can do i'm not going to go and do 35 everestings <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> definitely not. So, I mean, power-wise, I did see, I'd seen some of your numbers, and you, if I could push that much power for that amount of time, I'd be pro. <laughs> <laughs> it was two two sixty-two. Um, was your normalised power for the whole event, which is mega. yeah. So that's that's like mega. high zone to low tempo. Um, they, they did drop off like towards the last say 20 30 reps um yeah. I, I was around averaging around 300 for like the first uh, i got i got the um got them open here for like the first up to rep 42 was oh, was okay. around like 290 to 300 and then they they, they yeah. kind of really start to drop off those from there on um but we got a good little group um a couple of riders that i got talking to and i knew one of the guys um darren who done lands into john and Grapes with us last year so we we kind of like the last or my last 10 15 reps we kind of all, all rode together so we kind yeah. of eased off the pace a bit um my knee started to play up with 18 or so reps to go so it was kind of like I'd rather ease off and finish than carry on with what I have been doing and you know mm. possibly not finish. How long did a rep take you? So I was doing ten minute reps until okay. for like the first thirty five to forty five reps, and then they went to like eleven twelve mm. minute reps. Um. Okay, but there, there was there was a guy that finished in like sub eleven hours, and he was doing like nine minute reps consistently, yeah. like absolutely nuts. And he was like flying past. But I'm I'm going to put it down to the fact that he was like four foot nothing and looked about five yeah. kilo. 
<laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. So um, that power sustain. You could sustain that power then for for that duration. So do you feel like you rode it right for yourself? I. I, I feel like I rode it right for myself and that that sort of ballpark like 280 to 300 is where I knew I could hold that for for that set of time with that amount of recovery um, like if if my knee didn't start playing up I probably would have carried on that that pace all the way through but mm. I, I, it was just like with, with my knee starting to go I was like I'll, I'd rather like I said ease it off a bit but the the middle sector of the climb like ramped up a fair bit so okay i was like naturally at a lower cadence i was literally in my easiest gear like all all, all day um I've, i think mm. i made like 19 gear changes all day or something uh, which is nothing but um I, if my cadence was below 60 my knee was playing up towards the end if it was above 60 right. i was fine but to go above 60 i'm looking at like Two two ninety three hundred maybe more, and like towards yeah. the end it was just like I I can't even get my cadence that high without my knee sort of twinging. So I I just kind of had to bear through it and paracetamol up. And um, a, a rider at the top was packing his bags and going home, and he left behind some ibuprofen gel. So I was like slapping that on my on my knee, <laughs> like, waiting for that to soak in. Because obviously you talked about you've done Everest before, um, but you did this one quite a considerable amount faster, didn't you? Yeah, so this one was 10 hours quicker than my solo one last year. That's a big <laughs> chunk. That's a big old chunk to take out the same sort of ride you did, like 10 hours quicker. Yeah, so it's the same elevation. This one was mm. half the distance, but the hill was twice as steep. So I, yeah. I but and I'm 15 kilo lighter than one than last year when I done a Everesting. So okay. I thought it might be a bit quicker, but I wasn't expecting to be done in 13 and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. Which was third third overall for the for yeah, the day. Yeah, third, third overall out of the 44 that finished. Yeah, so. brilliant. Absolutely, like fantastic! All that zone two paid off. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it seems, seems to be working. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so yeah, we talked about um, the solo challenge and that being a, a mental battle. There, did you feel this one was more difficult in that sense, or easier in the, the sense that you had that bit of morale, like you said, you, you did you did a few reps as a group towards the end as well. So, so, for the majority of it, it was a lot easier because you've always got people. Even though, apart from Darren, I didn't know anyone. You soon get you soon. Yeah. It's like if you do a sportive, you kind of find a group that's your sort of pace, and you know yeah. you get talking to people and. Like at the top when you're in the feed zone, you're talking to people, and there's a. F- it was quite funny because obviously I knew Darren, didn't know anyone else, and I'm going up the hill on like rep ten when the light was coming up, and people were going, "Oh, it's the cycling chef!" Like don't even know my real name, but like calling me by my. By my I was like, I don't yeah. know who you are, but <laughs> and, and then like you, you get <laughs> like you you know you get talking to people, and that kind of kills the time by, and like. Mm having feed ready at the top like was so you can just grab and go whereas my one like 
one of the biggest mental blocks on my one was having to get off at the top, open my car, find something to eat, sit there by myself and eat it. Mm. Whereas this one, you know, you can grab it on the way past, eat it on the way down, and just kind of mm -hmm. keep the cycle going. Um, but yeah. because it was organised by an event, and obviously rider safety for insurance and stuff, is a thing like um, we weren't allowed like headphones in, like you're not supposed to for the Okay. And I got three quarters of the way in, and this when everyone was in their in their own heads. You know, people had gone home. We we didn't officially know that the record was off because there was still a possibility we needed like I think at one point sixteen people had finished, and like thirty something were still going, and and it okay. was like dead on the number. So we were like, oh, it could happen if everyone finished. But like yeah. then I could have done with having some music in or something to kind of get me through, rather than like being isolated on my own going up this hill like oh my knees hurting, <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm hungry. But I, yeah. it, it was definitely easier mentally this one than the solo one. I mean physically it was okay. still absolutely brutal. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So and you've you've definitely confirmed now you're not doing another no, one. No. Well, <laughs> oh, see. <laughs> just because I'm just because I'm curious, I wouldn't mind doing like an indoor one through winter. Okay, but yeah. I, I'm not so, saying I am doing one, and I probably won't. But as far as outdoor Everest things go, I'm I'm done. If if I get an email from Chris next year saying, "Oh, we're going to try the record again," I'm going to be like, "No, I, I'm 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 done." And then, okay. Yeah. Okay. And if I do end up so, doing another one, I'll be getting a gravel bike, so I've got a couple more gears, so I can spin them a bit quicker. <laughs> yeah, because on uh, previous podcasts we talked with um, John Fish, not dead yet, and we commented then about doing a indoor one over winter, which should be good. I wonder if there's a record for the most indoor ones completed on a day. I don't know. But... On the same hill, I could. I'll, I'll email Hells 500 and find out if there's a record yeah. for him. Um, Probably not, because then, uh, no one likes riding indoors, let alone doing an Everest yeah. indoors. I there's, a, there's a fair few, though. I've, I've, see, I've looked, because I, I did have a quick look to see if I could find anything. There was nothing official that I could find. Yeah. And then I was looking through, and, yeah, there might be, like, sort of 50 to 60 done in a day. Yeah. Um, obviously all not on the same hit. They've just been done yeah. as virtual ones um but the, yeah they're on like the records and stuff and you think like yeah there's a fair few going yeah through. i mean so i wonder through uh, if you've done it through winter there would probably be quite a lot of people that would join because take it up yeah because I'm, i mean a lot of people ride the turbo through winter these days anyway but mm. yeah no if i'm doing another one i, I need a couple of extra gears because especially if it's like 11 12 percent again yeah so I, yeah, I was I was just in my granny gear all day. Yeah, <laughs> and you like you say that that grinding's probably put that bit of stress on the knee. Yeah, um, and that's what caused that issue. And then, especially as you were saying, like and that that lower cadence, you were feeling it. Then it was probably just not having quite enough yeah, gears to a, push. A lot it. of people who'd put gravel group sets on their road bikes, and there were quite a lot of people on gravel bikes. There was some that's all right on <laughs> on a gravel bike. With pannier racks on, and panniers, and he he must have been like late fifties, but he just he was going all day, just kept spinning away, and he must have had about ten kilo of extra weight on, and um, 
there was another older chap, must have been 60-odd, and he, all day, bearing in mind, it was like five degrees at four in the morning when it started, but midday it was like 23 degrees, like there was a headwind all day. But um, there was this guy in uh, like Castelli windstopper, long sleeve, bib tights, gloves, and he, he was stopping like every five reps at the top to feed, but his back pockets were full of food all day. Like, he must have been absolutely roasted. Maybe he was trying to cook the food oh, in his back pockets. I, I, I don't know. It, he looked like he had enough food that he was going to like ride from the Peak District back to like Birmingham or something afterwards. Brilliant, brilliant. So, yeah, one thing. Um, We've also touched on a little bit before we came on air was um, like the m- mental side of things, doing things solo. And we've just touched on uh, with GB Scotland currently doing his Lands End to John O'Groats, completely unsupport- self-supported, I should say. And then he's um, you met him sort of day two. I met him yesterday, day f- four, four, five, four. Yeah, we um, day five today. Um, just to give him a bit of support, um, but yeah, he's do he's taking on an epic challenge there, isn't he? he he's a nutter. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, so I done it last year, and there was six of us, and we done it supported, and it, it was it was not not easy just because we had hotels booked and a van full of food and stuff. Like to I mm. I couldn't imagine doing that solo. For, I think he's doing ten days, isn't he? Yeah. Like, I couldn't imagine doing that by yourself for 10 days like, I've done a lot of riding supported but like supported off the bike but so I, I've mm. done like a lot of hours by myself like through the night and stuff but I couldn't do 10 days on my lonesome with with yeah. the jog frog and um and yeah just the panniers and yeah. everything else he's got and I he, yeah. he was he was surprised by Exmoor I think when I met him yeah. um he, he had a tough first day, and the second day was even tougher. Um, like personally, day one and two when we done it was like the hardest days. Um, mm. And I, I think he was it was a bit harder than he expected. Um, yeah, I, I did say to him it does get flat from here onwards, and I, I looked at his like um, his ride on day three and yesterday, and like the speed the speed yeah. was up, and you know the elevation was down. So it, yeah. it, it, it's once you know, you've got to get through those hard times to have the easier time. So like the yeah. fact that he got through day one and two completely solo, didn't see anyone. Um, he got a little bit emotional when like he pulled in and saw me stood there because I've never met him in person. I've only known him through Instagram. Yeah. Like probably a lot of the people that he meets down around this way. He's meeting, yeah, um, yeah. And he was like, you're, you're the first person I've seen, like, not in passing, like, the first person I've stopped to speak yeah. to. Um, yeah, and, like, gave him some banana bread and stuff because, you know, we, we all need a bit of cake, don't we, from time to time. So, yeah. But it see. was good to see him. Because, yeah, I didn't ride particularly far with him because um, he'd made good time. Like, I knew that I was, I was driving to his Finnish hotel, which was about 60 miles from my house. Um, and then I was going to ride back, ride out to him, and then ride back to that finish point with him. 
um, and only managed about two and a half miles because he'd had a good day and and had really got a lick on. Um, but I still thought I got there and I was like, right, got the bike, got the, like really rushed to like get to him, um, which I was pleased I did because then we got that couple of miles in, um, and then I spent a bit of time with him, had some food with him, sat down with him for a, a good amount of time. I probably spent about two and a half hours with him yeah. in total, so that was good that we spent a bit of time and he, we had a bit of a chill and um, somebody to just have a bit of a chat with as well like you say i i've never met him personally before either just knowing through through instagram um but it was great to meet him and you know it, at times again i thought yeah he's going to get a bit emotional here because he he did feel he was he was struggling because i asked him i said is it been harder than you thought and he just said yeah like he's done he was like i've done 100 milers before and they felt relatively easy and then those couple of days back to back have just been relentless and he's worrying about sort of the next day and he was on about maybe trying to change the route a little bit because he's done sort of an official thousand mile lead job route which I think there's easier ways to, to ride they're going a bit more scenic and they're including those sort of climbs and things so he, I reckon he could do it a little bit shorter yeah it's um, like i was talking to him about our route in scotland um because we went to like edinburgh inverness and then i like, followed the a9 coast road like all the way around to john and groats because yeah to be honest we we went from carlisle and went across and that wasn't our original route to go the a9 we were going to go up and through and we were like we're just going to hug this coast road because it's as flat as it can be and we can just make good time and I said to him, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going up this mountain pass, that mountain pass. And I was like, oh, that's like, that's making it so much harder for yourself. At the end of the day, like, Land's End to John O'Groats is Land's End to John O'Groats. Like, there's the mm-hmm. official routes and whatnot. But, I mean, you're still riding point to point. You know, it's like an order. Yeah. As long as you get your checkpoints, it doesn't matter how you get there. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I, I think... The the biggest struggle for him, you, you summed it up when you said that you've got to worry about the next day. Obviously, if you do a 100-mile ride, or if you do any one-day ride, you go home, you have a shower, you sit on the sofa, you get a takeaway, and you're yeah. done. When you've then got to yeah. think about, I need to make sure I eat enough because I've got to be up at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, I'm back on the bike to do another 100 miles. That To do that 10 days in a row, or 8 days, or however many days is like just completely different mentally because you've got to be switched on and always kind of thinking 12 hours ahead of where you are um mm. and obviously you don't have to think about that if you're doing a sporty for a 100 mile event yeah because i mean i did a 100 miler a couple of weeks back and i wasn't fit enough for it um I'm I'm comfortable on the bike up to about fifty, and then once I get to that, I've I've had enough. It's it's like I've I've not done enough big miles. I've only been concentrating on sort of one hour, two hour training sessions kind of thing, rather than doing the big miles. And I'm getting uncomfortable on the bike, like physically, my back and and things like that are really suffering. So I think I could do with doing because I, I, I imagine that 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 100 miler that I did it had just shy of 7,000 feet of climbing so it wasn't like a mega one although the climbing was all lumped in one kind of short beat because um, you got to about the halfway point and I'd done about 2,000 feet and then I thought oh, hang on this goes to like 7,000 so this is going to start getting a lot hillier all of a sudden which it did but yeah I came back and 
I did it with uh, Velo Dave and I messaged him the next day and I said, are you commuting today? And he said, yeah. And I said, I can't even look at that bike. I can't <laughs> even think about getting on it. And it's like, yeah, you can understand that back-to-backness and that, like, that, like you say, fueling enough to get back on, to keep yourself physically fit enough to do the next day, to do the next day, to do the next day. It's just it, it, it's, it's relentless. And you summed that up with... Um like getting uncomfortable being comfortable so like i i asked her i was like how are you feeling on the bike he's like i'm fine on the bike until i have to get my leg over the rear pannier to get off and like that's when like, i'm stretching my legs out and stuff and it was the same yesterday for me when my knees started playing up i knew if i could keep my cadence high enough it was absolutely fine like there was no twinging whatsoever as soon as i had to start to grind like is when it was playing up so I found myself on the steeper bit getting out of the saddle which until I got to rep like 45 I'd done the entire thing mm-hmm. in the saddle like apart from getting off the bike and um, just because I, I climbed much more sustainably it, it like sat in the saddle but I found myself getting out of the saddle just because it meant I could like extend my leg out a bit more and it kind of helped until mm. it levelled off and I'm still out of the saddle and then my legs like jarring and that's you know when, you ca- when your cadence is inconsistent it's when it was kind of twinging my knee a bit mm. but I, I was sat, sat at the top with a can of Fanta on my knee for 20 minutes that sort out <laughs> yeah I'd seen a picture um, with with some ice as well yeah. I think I'd seen something with you you're sitting with a bit of ice on it and I thought like yeah that's not good is it starting to get those twinges and those niggles yeah, it's it, just like it just went really like tight and um it it, it started right. off on like the the back of my knee so it's kind mm. of um muscle related i guess I, I i don't really know but it was like starting mm. on the on the back of my knee and i was like oh, like it'll be fine so um i was that's when i was getting out the saddle a bit more and then i noticed when yeah. i was out the saddle my shoe was creaking and it's not until now i've come home and um i've snapped the edge of my cleat in my left shoe which oh, okay. I think is what done my knee because obviously my foot was would have been moving more and flexing, yeah. Um, and obviously then your knee positions move in a bit more, yeah. And I, I think it's that because I or maybe it could have affected it as in it might have been positioned slightly differently just in the pedal, yeah. As a, as a whole, and then if it's in that, that slightly different, and because you you're turning the pedal so often um, and in the saddle for so long. Any little minor change can, unfortunately, cause a bit of an injury. Yeah, I mean, it, it only takes, you know, your foot moving a couple of mil and your, yeah. your knee is at a different angle, your leg's at a different angle. So it's, I just say it's an excuse to buy some new shoes, to be honest. But... Yeah, that's it, yeah. Not just new cleats. <laughs> new bike, why not? Treat well, yourself. <laughs> let's not talk about new bikes. <laughs> winter will be coming around soon it'll be gravel, gravel bike time soon and I've got another one uh, yeah so how, how do you feel today like how's the knee feeling today is that alright the, think... the knee's absolutely fine today um, it's okay. like I'm alright walking on it um, like if I'm sitting on the sofa which I've got quite a low sofa it's a little bit like warm and tight um, like going up mm. and down stairs luckily I live in a flat but like going up and down stairs, um, it can like start to like pull tight, but not like in a pain way. It's just more of like a dead ache sort of thing. It's my an- it's my yeah. ankles, to be honest. So I have my shoes got boa dials on, and I don't like things to be loose. 
So I think where I've had them done up tight uh, across the tops of my ankles and tops of my feet, it's kind of like pulled tight there, but it's just all, all little stuff, like sunburn, sunburn yeah. on the back of my neck. But yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take that. It, well, it's that thing, isn't it, like being in the saddle for so long, it's like those niggles that, because you don't often ride for that many hours, no. so then, yeah, it's like those those tiny little things that wouldn't even bother you in in another ride when you've been on the bike for say three four five possibly six hours but then times in that by two you know being on 12 13 hours mm. it's then a bit different then isn't it you know it's a big well it's, it's like my, my knee didn't go until like 10 hours in so like normally like i wouldn't have any you wouldn't i wouldn't have that. any issues with it yeah <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I could have been riding with dodgy cleats for the last 600 kilometres for all I know, because mm. I haven't done, like, 12 and a half, 13 hour rides. I, 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 since I February? Know. Well, yeah, since February. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, I had me issue then as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did, yeah. Um yeah, I was gonna say, you, you're talking yourself out of these shoes now because you're going to have to do 10-hour rides every week. That, that's, that's fine by <laughs> me. I don't want to do 10-hour rides every week. Right, okay. So let's just touch on a, a little bit about... Um, you did it again for Elf Charity. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about that and, and what, what you've managed to do for those guys. So Elf is Extra Leukemia Fund, um, a small... A local charity down here in Exeter. Um, so I'm just trying to find my notes on Elf. Um, okay. Yeah, so they're, they're a charity down here. I started working with Elf um, when I started my current job at Castlegrave. Um, my boss lost her husband to leukemia, and um, Elf were the charity that supported her through, you know, his treatment and stuff. Um, e- even now, like she still gets a lot of support because you know it, it's. It's, it's tragic losing anyone to anything, let alone like cancer, because you know you just don't have any control over it whatsoever. Um, mm. So a- every penny that I have fundraised, um, which is three hundred pound for the Everesting, um, on, on top of the five hundred and fifty that I raised from the twenty-four hour ride, um, ev- every penny has gone direct to Elf, um, and it will do for other events that I do throughout the year. Um, and that goes to providing like free transport for patients, but also their families, um, like to treatments or appointments. They also do free counselling, um, like financial advice and stuff, because obviously it's, it's not cheap. Like if if someone's affected mm. by cancer, you know the, tr- the treatment's not free. Like, and it, it's really hard because even though it's a, a deadly disease that affects many people there's there's not really a lot that we can do mm. in terms of like you know treatment can't be free because we're not, nothing's free these days um mm. and like even the little things so like when um ray my boss's partner was um in treatment isabel would go into like a room and they would have like free tea and coffee facilities like tv 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 um like tvs and like just just like a comfy room like sofas and stuff so it's not like just because you're there supporting your partner that's having treatment you you don't just get pushed into like a little side room and if you wait there while 
they have their chemo. That they provide us a lot of support for for the patients and the families. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, all in all, unfortunately, you missed out on the record, but the day was still it, a success it, in that sense. Yeah, it, it was a, on a personal level. It's a success. Like me being part of the record, obviously, was the reason that got me to that horrible home climb that I'm never going to go back to. Um, yeah, but yeah, on a personal level, I've done the Everest thing, and I raised some more money for a great charity, and they were the two key points. Yeah, and if we got the record, we got the record, but we yeah. we didn't, and yeah, there's not really much I can do about that. Unfortunately, not. No. no. Um, um, while we're having a little chat about charity, obviously we've just talked about Stu's jog as well and I would just like to mention about that he's doing that for charity as well so it's um, if you don't follow him already um, it's Stu it's GB Scotland is his Instagram handle um, follow him on there he's a great chap and he's doing it for the National Autism Society um, because his wife was diagnosed as being autistic last year and he said to her that um, he was going to fundraise for, for a charity to, to help support that so there's links to in his bio to that that you can, um, as I say, on his Instagram page, so you can follow that and then show your support for Stu because he, he's struggling a little bit to get to get through it, but he's he's doing really really well. Um, so he'd love a bit of support from you; it'd be really great. And obviously, if if you can give a couple of pennies, that'd be great as well. And also, obviously, if we've just touched on Aiden's charity as well links in your bio as well isn't there Aiden for yeah. that um, and that's um, Elf Leukemia Fund so uh, Elf, uh, sorry Exodent Leukemia Fund which is Elf Charity so yeah have we just about covered everything with your Everesting attempt and Everesting on the bike in total is done other than possibly an indoor one that we might organise for. If you winter. if you want to organise it for next winter, not this winter, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You can only do one a year. Is that the limit? One a year. Well, I, I, every ideally, year. I don't want to do another one, but <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm easily influenced, as as we know. So, mm. um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm going to say definitely no more outdoor Everest things. Okay. But plus okay. indoors, you can get off on the descent and go and have a cup of coffee. So. Yeah, you can. Although I've I've read though that it's not an official record if you do that. But then I think like who's gonna who's verifying that? Mm. Like fair enough, you can verify the power and through power meters and the yeah, turbo yeah. and whatever and the and the weight. Who or can the very? I mean, they can't probably can't check really check. That, and can who's they? gonna pedal down Alpduaz? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I've done an Everest because I was doing 300 watts going down Alpe d'Huez. No one's going to pedal down Alpe d'Huez. Yeah, yeah. a hundred k. Yeah, <laughs> let's just hope that Andy at Hell's Five Hundred's not listening to the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> now we're all going to do it legitimately, so yeah. uh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah, thanks for coming on again and thanks for your time today. Obviously, I want you to rest up well and recover properly and before you get back on the bike. And Yeah. I bet you were tempted to go on today, weren't well, you? Well, I, I, I might be out tomorrow night. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> You're mad, mad. 
So, lovely. Thanks again, Aidan. Great speaking to you. Unfortunately, wasn't quite the outcome that we wanted, but uh, well done. Well thanks, done. Thanks for having me back. You did fantastic. You did fantastic. Once again, brilliant talking to Aidan. Fantastic achievement that he's done. It's so hard doing an Everest, pushing yourself time and time again to go up and down the same hill 67 times up the same bit of road it's got to be boring as hell challenging as hell it's just unbelievable so a massive 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 well done to Aidan everyone that took part in the event it must be frustrating not to come away with the world record but as Aidan touched on for himself personally he's pleased that he got his second Everest in He's also pleased that he managed to raise some extra money for Elf Charity as well, which is fantastic. So it's not a lost cause. He's done it for good reasons. He's probably not going to do another Everest, as we talked about in the podcast. Well, not one outside anyway. We'll see if we can goad him into the the winter one. Talking of the winter one, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. We were um, speaking on episode 7 to John Fish about... Uh, Everest challenges, doing them indoors and we think we're going to do one over winter, Aidan did mention doing it next winter but I think we will try and get it in in between Christmas and New Year this year Um, so yeah if you'd like to be a part of that obviously just get in touch Um, if you follow me on Instagram velo double underscore 21 that's velo double underscore 21 and send us a message and we'll try and get something organised I might actually try and get in touch with Hells 500 who run the Everest in and see if there is any world records for the most indoors done on the same day, done on the same hill, virtual hill, um, to see if there is some kind of record out there because that would be interesting as well if we could get a certain amount of people to do it and get some kind of acknowledgement from Guinness. That would be absolutely great. Um to try and push for that as well so yeah there might be another one on the cards so yeah never say never Aidan never say never so once again we thank Aidan for coming on to the podcast again we thank you for listening today I've been Steve the Velo 21 guy take care and we'll see you soon bye